0: Welcome to Shrink Wrap, a podcast where Fran and Becky give proper respect to various mental health and wellness topics,
1: while adding in a little bit of smart assery that they just can't seem to contain.
0: This podcast cannot and does not constitute therapy advice.
1: However, we do hope that you find the information we share with you helpful and entertaining.
2: Please be advised that this podcast discusses topics that can be sensitive to some listeners. Use appropriate discretion.
1: Everybody. Hey everybody! Welcome. We're so glad you're joining us. Super happy it's about that. Favorite day of the week? It really Inc. is recording day. Yeah, I know. I I mean, I've because I'm an empath. I sense this. It's never been spoken out loud. Yeah. Um, but I really feel like Brody yearns for this day every week.
0: I think he does. I think he does. I really it just do. fills
2: my cup. Yeah. You know, Isn't yeah. it? <laughs> it it overfloweth already. But yes. Uh. Yep, it, it keeps me going. I know. What can we say? Hmm. Yeah.
1: Well, I'm glad we can do that for you, Brody. Mm-hmm. What are we talking about today, Franny? We are talking about medical trauma. Mm.
0: Yeah, so.
2: Ladies and
1: gentlemen, it's time for the Fantastic backdoor. <laughs> That one's one of my favorites. (laughs)
0: According to the study entitled, When Treatment Becomes Trauma, Defining, Preventing, and Transforming Medical Trauma, those who experience such trauma can develop clinically significant reactions like PTSD, anxiety, depression, complicated grief, and somatic complaints.
1: Whoa. Yeah. Medical trauma is a traumatic event related to the experience of pain, injury, illness, or medical intervention.
0: Yeah. So what are you seeing in therapy with I've all the COVID it. stuff? What have you
1: seen? Oh, boy. Yeah. If uh, people who have had to have been intubated, mm-hmm. there's some, I mean, they literally have some increased anxiety, um, PTSD from mm-hmm. it. It's, a, it's not a fun experience mm-hmm. by any stretch. Right. Um, it's rough.
0: Yeah. I have had several clients over the years that have had very, very complicated medical cases mm-hmm. and chronic pain associated with that. Oh, yeah. And really are terrified, and I mean sheer terror, about having to go to a doctor, having to have any needle put in them, Mm -hmm. anything like that is absolutely terrifying for them. I think that makes sense. According to the International Society for Traumatic Stress Studies, this trauma can be caused by serious or life-threatening illness or injury, treatment for that feelings of shock or loss of control after a diagnosis, life-altering complications or unexpected medical intervention. You know, like you go in to get a colonoscopy and you come out and you have a bag. Oh, sure. You know, yeah. or, or um, you know, anything where you go in for a routine surgery and something something goes wrong. They mm-hmm. take the wrong kidney or something. Seriously.
1: Yeah. No, it happens.
0: Yeah. Poor or disruptive hospital conditions. Perceived or actual mistreatment by healthcare providers. And we are not here today no. to badmouth medical providers because no. just like in any profession, there are good psychologists, there are bad psychologists, good mm-hmm. doctors, bad doctors, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. We are just focusing on medical trauma, and some of the practitioners have not been
1: kind or competent. Yeah. As they used to say, the bedside manner Mm -hmm. is not there. Mm -hmm. Medical trauma is often not acknowledged or socially validated as traumatic, traumatic, even in the field of trauma treatment. Right. Why
2: is that? Well, a couple of weekends ago, I watched it was on Apple TV, the five days Mm. at Memorial.
1: Okay, i got to watch
2: that. It is the five days after Hurricane Katrina at Memorial Hospital.
1: Oh, mm. boy. So wow.
2: 45 people were dead by the time they got everybody out. I can't um, imagine. But there are questions as to how some of them died. Right. So uh, lethal cocktails and stuff like that.
1: Uh, oh. It was a really
2: well-done show. Um, so it's like 10 episodes on Apple TV. But... I would imagine, even for the people who were just in the hospital but got out and, you know, weren't poisoned to death, um, I imagine that I mean, you have a shared a double trauma then, too, from the hurricane, but then also you were right. in the hospital at the right. time. And oh, I can't yeah,
1: wait to watch that. That's really good. What's it called? Five Days at Memorial? Yep. Okay.
0: And I would think, you know, just thinking about that, even the med- – you think about the medical people that – were there in the trenches during COVID mm-hmm. and had to really make choices. Like, who mm-hmm. do we even help at this point? Because mm-hmm. we know these five are probably going to die, yeah. And we're we're in a crisis situation. Can yeah. you imagine? And I have had medical providers yep. come with traumatic PTSD experiences well, from to, that.
2: To choose, I mean, the triage uh, protocols, right? And mm-hmm. so that was part of what went wrong at memorials they were trying to get out the neonates, the really sick people, to the couple helicopters that were coming, mm-hmm. and by the time somebody came around he's like no you're backwards like you need Mm -hmm. to be getting the healthiest people out first Mm. and to have to go around and put black wristbands on Uh, people who are uh, at this point awake and say when you're you're last if you get there
1: wow Um, yeah
2: yeah i can't imagine
1: well and i think too um there's a i want to say it was on netflix um where they were filming a medical docuseries as covid broke out in Mm -hmm. new york city and they show some of the doctors, um, FaceTiming clients' families with them yes. so that they can say goodbye. Like I remember that. What the frick? Ah, uh, horrible. That would suck. Yes.
0: According to Hall and Hall, leading experts in medical trauma and the authors of Managing the Psychological Impact of Medical Trauma, they point out it's not just the objective severity of the situation Mm -hmm. that determines the intensity of the trauma. It's how distressed the person is experiencing that. You know, of course, it's individually experienced by everyone. Right. Right.
1: And so we can't just say, oh, well, if that's all you experienced, right. look, what's your problem? Exactly. Because if that's huge to them, that's all that matters. Mm-hmm. Medical trauma considers the context where the trauma is happening. It includes experiences like medical gaslighting or mistreatment. I've had that happen. Painful or invasive procedures. Learning bad news. Like you were saying, you go in for a colonoscopy mm-hmm. um, or a stressful hospital environment. And I think, um, I think that's happening right now. I think hospitals across the nation are overworked, understaffed. They're exhausted. We're coming off a pandemic, but we're still dealing with it. Um, I I think they're just at their wit's end. So what was
0: your experience of medical gaslighting? Oh God, what is that? This so
1: beautiful. So I, I have hypothyroidism. I've had it since Jacob was born, so 23 years almost. And I had gone down to uh, Sioux Falls to see an endocrinologist. And, um, one of the reasons was at that time I was doing CrossFit three to five times a day or uh, three to five times a day, like, give me damn, a break, three to eat- five times a
2: week. Are you eating those weights or lifting <laughs> right. I can't even look at you. You're so swole. I'm so
1: swole. And I was eating a uh, 40, 30, 30. So 40 protein, 30 carbs or no. 40 carbs, 30 protein, 30 fat. Um, so I was very healthful mm-hmm. because you have to do these things. But I kept gaining weight mm-hmm. and not, not muscle weight, but like, and it was very frustrating. So that was one of the things I went to see her and my hair falling out and whatever. And she looks at me and she goes... Have you tried HIT training? That's high-intensive inter- high interval training. I said, like CrossFit, because I do that three to five times a week. And she goes, oh, have you tried Weight Watchers? And I said, mm-hmm. um, well, I said, no, I, I have tried Weight Watchers, but right now I just use my fitness pal and a registered dietitian. So this is what I'm doing. And she's like, oh like, shut up. Mm. Just shut up. Did
0: you feel like she wasn't believing you? Like you weren't actually doing those things? I
1: really wanted to just say, lay down because I'm going to deadlift you, Mm -hmm. you skinny little bitch. Yeah. And I will show you what I can do. You should have done it. I should have done it. Yeah. She was also the one, um, I had some other hormonal things going on and I called down and I said, you know, this is also going on. And they were like, oh, do you think you could be pregnant? And I'm like, nope, certainly don't. Mm. Are you sure? (gasps) Oh. I said, "Well, I had I had uh, my tubes tied five years ago, and I'm on the birth control pill. So I said, if I am, call me the Virgin Mary, and it just needs to happen. Here we are." Wow. And the nurse was like, "Oh, okay, doctor just wasn't sure." So I switched after that. Mm-hmm. I was like, "I'm done with you." Yeah. And and again, I've had really great doctors. That was one right. experience exactly. But I did. I wanted to cold cocker. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and it's the dismissiveness yeah. you know, that I hear from clients is that they are so relieved when they find someone who really validates them. Yeah, Because people nowadays, I mean, look, the average person is on the internet reading something, right? right? They have access to a lot of information. Mm-hmm. Not all of it is accurate, but they've done some reading. They've done some studying on their own. Mm-hmm. They're coming in, I would think, a lot more educated than 20, 30 years ago. Yeah. You know, you're not starting from ground zero, I don't think.
1: I think we have a lot of providers who are not intimidated by that. Mm -hmm. And I love that because then I think you have the collaboration where I walk in with my Google research, right? Mm -hmm. And I say to my doctor, hey, I want to do this because I researched it. And he either says, you know what? Yeah, we can give that a try. That's a legit. Or he might say, no. And here's why I think it's a bad idea. Mm -hmm. But listening. Right. Right. I don't know, but I think there are some who aren't, and like, I'm the doctor. Yeah. Um it's just how it goes.
0: Shout out to Natalie Braun. I'm Mm going to shout out right now. She's awesome. She's my PA and I have to say, I feel super validated. I could ask Mm -hmm. any question. I could run anything by her and she'd be respectful and say, even if she doesn't know,
1: I'd look into it or give me a minute or "Yeah, yeah, that's a great idea or whatever. She's awesome. Love her. She's a wonderful human. Yes. And then there's that, um, there's that other doctor over at Sanford. What's her name? Brian Mueller? Oh, I've heard heard of her. She's the hot one. Yeah. Yeah. She's she's the hot doctor. She is. She's another one who listens. Absolutely. And it's a teamwork approach. Love it.
0: Medical trauma can be intertwined with racism, ableism, and sexism, as well as, you know, the huge power differential that exists in the patient-provider relationships. So many patients, in addition to feeling medically invalidated, feel discriminated against (laughs) based on their weight or being moralized for their health, like they're attributing the patient's illness, they are morally failing because they're just a bad patient, right? They're non-compliant mm-hmm. and they're not doing a very good job of managing their chronic illness.
1: So, you know, I went in the summer and got a sleep study done and it gets read by, I don't know, a sleep study doctor. Mm-hmm. And in the notes, um, it said patient needs to lose weight. <laughs> And I'm like, well, no shit, that's why I'm here. Uh, so I can get this addressed, have some energy, and then maybe lose some weight. Loose. It was L-O-O-S-E.
0: Oh no Patient needs to lose weight. Oh no. Medical provider needs to learn how to spell.
2: How about them As, that? A, just as opposed to that tight weight.
0: <laughs>
1: right. If only I had tight weight. Yep. Oh, my God. Back when I did CrossFit. <laughs> Bedside manner does really matter. And it does. It I, does. My primary right now, um, Dr. John Olson at Avera, I love him because I can, he just shakes his head at me half the <laughs> time. Um, and I appreciate that because most of the time he should, but mm-hmm. he's just kind and approachable. Or Dr. James Chu, psychiatrist in yes. Sioux Falls. Um, I've referred to him over and over and over again, and every single person says the same thing. He's so easy to talk to. Mm-hmm. He really listens, he doesn't judge. Yeah. I think that's huge. It is. The medical provider level of empathy and how sensitively they communicate with the patient impacts how the patient experiences traumatic medical events and how well they
0: cope. Right. So a perfect example is like, I really appreciate it if something is going to happen to me. I want you to walk me through all the mm-hmm. details ahead of time. Yeah. Take a hot minute to be like, OK, this is what we're going to be doing. And I think like with children or elderly, some elderly patients, voice tone really matters to be soothing and calm. Mm -hmm. I mean,
1: it's important. It's very important. Children may be at increased risk of medical trauma due to developmental vulnerabilities, lack of control, or limited understanding. So here's my Dr. Olson story with that one. Grace was like four or five. And um, she went to the bathroom and had bloody stool. So, of course, I Googled it, right, mm-hmm. as a good mom. Number right. one thing that comes up is leukemia. So now she's obviously going to die. Mm-hmm. So that's unfortunate. Oh, um, so Scary I get health. her in right away. I was on a Sunday. I get her in right away on Monday. And Dr. Olson's like, yep, we'll do a little x-ray of her stomach. We'll see what's going on. Um, and she just needed to poop. Mm-hmm. But the great thing was he pulled up the x-ray on his laptop. And he's like, come over here. And so she comes over. And he's like, do you see this? That's your poop. And you see this over here? <laughs> Those are your farts. And it uh, was just No, no it was because cool. yeah, it was just perfect for somebody her yes. age. Yeah. And maybe for her mom. Too, yes. She right. was doing it more for me. Right. But I just I'll never forget that. And what a great way to explain it.
0: Absolutely. That's awesome hospice patients and people with a history of trauma medical or otherwise are at greater risk of experiencing medical care as traumatic. And this example that was provided Mm -hmm. is really made me stop and think. So if you have a female patient and she has a history of rape, she may respond negatively to the use of vaginal suppositories for medication delivery. Mm-hmm. But if that provider does not take that history, mm-hmm. you know, you're not going to go right into a medical doctor and be like, oh, yeah, and by the way, I was raped, right? That can re-traumatize someone, mm-hmm. you know, so take a minute to get the history, mm-hmm. find out, do you
1: have any history of trauma? Absolutely. And if you have, also advocate for yourself right. and say, I just need you That's, to know that. Yes. Yeah,
2: and I'll, I mean, I know i don't don't need to stand up for physicians, but, and I'm just trying to f- figure out how, what the right way, but there's, there's a lot, I mean, there's a lot that goes into all that, right? Yes. So I think advocating for yourself is big because mm-hmm. people can make mistakes and no one right. wants to re-traumatize anybody, but there's a lot of notes to read and there's a lot of people mm-hmm. every day. And you, you try to give from, from my shared experience, I guess, I don't know what, well, obviously with Brian being my, my spouse, it's, it, it can be draining, right? right. I mean, even just clean, even if it's just a, a day full of normal, like, hey, these all you, you got a room full or a day full of twenty six week long mm-hmm. pregnant women, mm-hmm. healthy, they're just there because mm-hmm. they need to be, and but it's still a lot to. Hey, Mrs. Frecklebelly, how are you? Hey, Mrs. Frecklebelly, how are (laughs) you? You know, like there's, so so if, if there's something they need to know, tell them that up front so that it can just, it doesn't get missed. I
1: think what a lot of people don't know and what I've been told, so you may or may not be able to validate this, is that they have to see so many patients a day. You know, Mm -hmm. so you might only get on average four minutes per patient, depending on what your specialty is or what your practice is. And so even if your doctor wants to go into great detail with you, they might not be able to, because they've got, if they want to get home before nine o'clock that night, Mm -hmm. they've got a full, full load to get through. Yeah.
2: So, I mean, my wife has, someone just told me she's, uh, she's great, just takes uh, like six months to get into. And they were a little bit facetious, but not much. Mm -hmm. Um, And she's the only, you know, the only, OB there right now and they're mm-hmm. having the staffing issues are very real they're very yes. real um so she doesn't have like a quota um but her schedule is full I mm-hmm, mean she's mm-hmm. seeing 30 people a day and that's from 8 a.m or eight thirty to about three thirty. Mm-hmm. and so yeah if you and she there are people who need you got to put the brakes on and say like yes. this is okay mm-hmm. we'll explain this whole thing yep um but otherwise, you just get off, off schedule, and no one likes mm-hmm. being off schedule in their day, and no one likes sitting in the doctor's office right. for 45 minutes yeah. trying to figure out why my three, why my 2.30 appointment is happening at 4.15. Right. right. So, Unless
1: you are going to an OBGYN, and I think you have to expect that, because that is a practice of the unexpected. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, right. if you have to quick run over and deliver twins that weren't supposed to come for a couple more weeks... right. Yeah, everything gets pushed back a little bit. But
0: one thing doctors are doing a better job of is that the forms they have you fill out before you go in, they're screening for depression, they're screening for domestic violence, Mm -hmm. and maybe just throw in the question, do you have any history of trauma? Because that should be a red flag to a medical provider that this person is going to be way more sensitive to procedures,
1: perhaps, or really need bedside manner. And I just want to circle back to thirty patients a day. Are you being serious? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So you take that times five.
2: Mm-hmm. One hundred and fifty patients a week. Well, I'll take it times three.
1: Okay. So she does three twelves. Yeah. Or no, no. You said she's in clinic three days a week. Oh my gosh! But still, still, and yeah. So ninety people in three days.
2: Roughly, yeah. And then that's not and including then, yeah. walk-ins, and that's not including deliveries. Right. And then she normally does surgeries on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Oh, yeah. And Forgot so, about
1: those. Yeah, right. right. Full job. Yep. It's a lot. Got to remove the uterus sometime, and apparently it's Tuesday or Thursday. Yeah. Right. yeah. <laughs> Medical trauma can look like sleeplessness. Waking with a startle that does not settle throughout the day, hypervigilance, always being on um, alert, obsessive compulsive disorder, panic attacks, abandonment fears, or obsessive thoughts about the safety of family members, says um, licensed professional counselor Melissa Turney.
0: Patients with medical trauma are best served when healthcare and mental health care providers work together. And we really try to do that. Becky and I really try to do that. And our people at MPPA, we think it's super important to have that conversation going back and forth. Mm -hmm. And again, as Brody and Becky both said, be your own advocate. If you're going in to see your doctor and you have a long mental health history, sign that release and say, I really want you to talk to my counselor. Mm
1: -hmm. The other thing I've started doing too is if I have a client that says, okay, I'm meeting with my psychiatrist on Wednesday and I have all these questions. So- my client and I will go through the questions and then I'll say, okay, now let's put those in the notes on your, on your phone mm-hmm. so we don't forget. Right. Yeah. And I said, then you crack that. And so then it just helps them word it. Right. Because sometimes they don't even know how to ask for what they need yes. and you don't have to go to a counselor for that. You can, um, I mean, bounce it off your significant other, bounce it off a friend, whatever.
0: Right. But I like that, like making it succinct before you go in. Mm-hmm. Right. Secondary medical trauma is also a significant thing. Witnessing loved ones who have repeated surgeries or have been in chronic pain is really, really emotionally devastating. I mean, mm-hmm. you think about watching your loved ones suffer.
1: Oh, that'd be tough. From
0: cancer, you know, or something like that. Mm-hmm.
1: These individuals may experience PTSD-like reactions and may avoid or have trouble tolerating any type of medical care themselves because of what they've witnessed. Um, so, like being the parent of a sick child. Yeah. So I'll
2: jump in. I don't have PTSD, but uh, my—I think I've talked about it on the show mm-hmm. before. Yeah, I have my. Oldest daughter had Rocky Mountain spotted fever. Mm-hmm. Every year when that goddamn Children's Miracle Network comes on, yes. I lose my shit yes. and I can't. I can't help it. Like I can't help but listen to it. And of course they put it to some fucking terrible country song. But <laughs> uh-huh. it's uh, it. Yeah, it was hands down the worst like five days of my life. And right. you can't do anything and you're and and that was a hospital wise a fantastic experience. Right, mm-hmm. they were great, but uh, I don't ever want to do that again
1: yeah well you know it's funny you say that because uh last night at my daughter for my daughter's volleyball team we had dig pink night Mm -hmm. for breast cancer awareness and so there was pink everywhere pink t-shirts pink this pink that it was just a pepto-bismol exploded and uh a friend of mine comes in and we're talking and she lost a good friend to breast cancer and her good friend Hated pink, mm-hmm. hated all things pink. They literally had a burn all things pink mm-hmm. uh, party. She's like, if one more person gives me anything fucking pink, my head's gonna explode. Yeah. And then last night after I got home, I actually sent her a text because I said that has to be hard that you went through this with a good friend of yours and now you're walking into an explosion of pink.
0: Yeah. Like
1: just know I love you. Like a that, trigger that had to be that yes. just had to be challenging. That was so empathic of you. Well, it was. It took me four hours, but wow. well, I got
2: okay. there. And so. Maybe I'm maybe I'm a cynic. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's been even studies about, say, this Susan G. Coma, like, so, OK, so a, a bunch of small town um, volleyball teams wore pink t- in a gym. What we all know about breast cancer. Mm-hmm. What are we doing? Like, did it, oh. did it do anything? And so mm-hmm. especially for her, she, I can imagine she's like, what? This is a parade. Yeah. What are you what are you doing here?
1: Yeah. Oh, Pe- do you, do you want to know what we did? We raised $756. Well, what do I wow. $756 to buy meals for local chemotherapy patients Aww. because they're required to have a hospital meal while they're getting their chemotherapy mm-hmm. to make sure they're eating. Those hospital meals can be expensive.
2: Mm-hmm. So then that is, that is awesome. great. Yeah, yeah,
1: that's what we did. I love it.
2: Yep. I think I have a harder time with like at their local fair, they do like a tough enough tour, Pink Night or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like the things that are raising awareness, I think we've raised enough. We weight. know. I yeah. think we know. And yep. so, especially in a situation like that, it, I, it could be very triggering for somebody. Yeah, that right. That awareness was raised, research was not done, and now yeah. my friend is dead. So. Yeah,
1: yeah. I was sitting there at the table um, selling doodads, and uh, one of the custodial staff comes over and reaches in his pocket and gives me three bucks, and I said, "Hey, help yourself to a doodad." What? What the hell is a doodad? <laughs> we had beads and bracelets oh. and pom poms and okay. whatever. And he goes, "No, I just want us to find a cure." Ah. <laughs> Yeah. And I said, well, we're not using your money for a cure, but we are using it to feed people. Yeah. And he's like, oh, that's awesome. Wonderful. It was really cool.
0: Hey Becky, why is the Northern State University
1: Graduate Program in Counseling so awesome? I could go on forever, but Let let's talk it. about the fact okay. that you can get a clinical degree where you can work in private practice or an agency, mm-hmm. where you can get a school counseling degree on the school track, where you can work in a school as private private school, parochial school, public school, any school you want to, and then my favorite. What? forensic counseling super cool yes. but is it KCREB approved it is KCREB approved and you're like what does that mean you know what it means that it has the gold standard of grad schools super awesome but can I afford it because I don't have a lot of money it's okay if you go to northern.edu yeah you can um, apply for some scholarships they have a couple of counseling specific scholarships in addition to some other really fantastic scholarships that a guidance counselor a admissions counselor can help you with
0: awesome be northern unleash your potential baby so Serena Williams everybody know who she is I don't know is she fairly good
1: at golf or tennis or something one of those (laughs) one of those kick-ass <laughs> tennis player yeah.
0: after giving birth she experienced life-threatening blood clots but doctors dismissed her discomfort as medication related confusion mm. only after she repeatedly insisted upon a ct scan were several clots revealed that needed immediate care and ex- and an extensive recovery period
1: she could have died
0: yeah she could
1: have And I know we talked about this when Brian was on uh, the podcast. She's not alone. Black women today are three times as likely to die from pregnancy-related causes than white women and are therefore more likely to experience medical trauma. Yeah. According
0: to the Journal of the American Medical Association, one in five patients report having experienced at least one instance of discrimination while receiving medical care. Wow. And, you know, I thought about, like, what about gender differences? Mm -hmm. I mean... A lot of women have said, well, if my Mm -hmm. husband would have said that, Mm -hmm. they would have taken it more seriously or that kind of thing. And I do think there can be, not with every medical provider, but I do think there can be a bias. Yeah,
1: I think so. I had a client years ago um, who got referred to me from her primary care for anxiety. And so we're meeting, and I'm like, well, this is really weird because I'm not getting any anxiety vibes at all. Mm -hmm. And probably our second or third session, I said something to her about it. I'm like, this is really weird. She's like, you know, these are my physical symptoms. The doctor's telling me, um, actually in her chart put, she's crazy. Kid you not. The doctor put this in her chart. She's crazy. So I had referred her for psychiatric evaluation, and then therefore ended up uh, with a psychiatrist and me. And it took her a few years, but she found an endocrinologist in Sioux Falls. She has, has had some weird thing on her thyroid mm. that was causing anxiety. Anxiety, yeah. yeah. Uh, but the, her medical professional just chalked it up to, oh, she's just being, you know, hysterical. Hysterical, yes. <laughs> so I do think there's a gender difference. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Treating medical trauma, identifying medical trauma early can drastically improve treatment and outcomes. As a client, be sure to tell your counselor. Um, Be sure and tell your counselor about any health concerns or experiences that are ongoing and or have been traumatic and are negatively impacting your quality of life.
0: And, you know, I've had several clients over the years, even in childhood, they may have had like a surgery at a very, very young age or an unusual medical thing that required Mm -hmm. multiple surgeries And that has carried with them their whole lives. Mm -hmm. They are so susceptible now to other traumas and are very, very vulnerable in that regard. It's so important to get a detailed history as mental health providers. Yeah.
1: So you said this was Nora that had Rocky Mountain. Lily, Lily, I'm sorry. I always get Lily and Nora mixed up for whatever reason. Um, How is she when it's time to go to the doctor?
2: She's fine. Oh, okay. She doesn't. So she was six, must have been. Mm -hmm. Um, And... She says she remembers stuff, but she does. okay. She remembers. Uh, she she kind of pooped herself. Like afterwards, yeah. she remembers that. Okay. Uh, I think it must have been just a haze for her for four or five days. So because I does. could
1: see where it'd be easy to be well, gun shy.
2: Yeah, I could. I could too. And I I I don't want to use the term medical gaslighting because I don't think that's what happened. But mm-hmm. we we went to it was. Three different people, and then the fourth one was the was the only one who everyone took us seriously. I guess, except yeah. for maybe one. Um, but it it's it's scary. It sucks yeah. when mm-hmm. you go. You're being told the same thing, but nothing is getting better. Right. Um, and to the credit of the doctors, though, like there's a, a analogy in medicine that if if you hear hoofbeats, don't mm-hmm. assume it's a zebra, right? Mm-hmm. Common things are common and uncommon things are uncommon right. for a reason. So you don't want to jump to that it's this, you know, maybe it's this crazy. Maybe it's a shared hysteria. Yeah. And so – um I, I can understand that. But, oh yeah, uh, but no, she's she's fine. That's awesome.
1: Good. When Jacob was ten weeks old, he got a pneumonia and RSV at the same time, and I had him um, every other day. I was in like literally camping at our pediatrician's office, and I was very frustrated because they wouldn't test him for RSV. Mm. I was not being gaslit at all. Um, our pediatrician at the time said, "I can test him, but if he is developing it, it's going to come up negative, mm-hmm. and we have to wait." And so as a mom, I don't want to hear this, we have to wait shit. Yep. Um, but he really was doing the prudent and right thing. And we got him into the hospital and we got him IVs and all of that good stuff. Um, so it's easy sometimes to look at that and say, Oh, he was gaslighting me, but he really mm-hmm. wasn't. He was, he was doing his job. Right. Therapists can help connect the dots between medical and psychological issues. For instance, gastrointestinal distress leading to anxiety or vice versa.
0: Right. And therapists can help you better assess and improve your quality of life by, they're going to ask you things about like, what kind of social support do you have, educate you about what resources can be available and really help you explore like, how does your medical trauma impact the relationships that yeah. you have with others. So yeah. like talking to, th- to clients about, is there a caregiver support group that you could go mm-hmm. to? If you're the caregiver of someone with medical trauma, are you accessing other adjunct services like physical therapy, acupuncture? Are you seeing a pain management doctor? I mean, mm-hmm.
1: nutritionist, all whatever. of those
0: things, you know, it's like when you are really
1: struggling and you're in pain, you can't think about all of those things. Right. Or you just may not know. And because we're in healthcare, Right. We have different resources. Therapists can also help you identify and deal with trauma memories triggered by smells, sounds, or strong physical sensations.
0: Since medical trauma can present as a lack of medication or treatment compliance, avoidance of appointments, lack of follow through, or tough interactions in the care environment, the therapist can help you. It's like what they're trying to say these people are not being non-compliant because they're just assholes. Right, They're being non-compliant because they're struggling. They're They're scared to death. Yes. And so the therapist can really help you deal with how are we going to do this in a better way so that Mm -hmm. you're getting the care that you need and Mm -hmm. not being terrorized at the same
1: time. Therapy can help with pain issues and teach clients breathing and cognitive strategies. And in fact, there's a Um, There's a program at Mayo Clinic for chronic pain, and it's completely cognitive behavioral therapy based. And I've had a couple of clients go through it and say it is life changing. Mm. So tough emotions related to medical trauma, like terror, shame, anger, grief, disgust can be addressed by someone who's completely accepting and can help the recovery process.
0: And connecting clients with others who've had similar experiences Mm -hmm. can be really great. Like finding an online support group,
1: super helpful for some. Clients benefit when therapists address how their medical trauma impacts interactions with family, work, and the healthcare system, as well as societal, cultural, or religious values and pressures that may be impacting them. Clients can learn how to identify and change trauma-related beliefs like, it's my fault that I'm sick, or I'm such a burden on my loved ones. Many people internalize negative messages about being a difficult patient or blame themselves for not getting over the traumatical medical event and diagnoses. God, I see this a lot, where Mm -hmm.
0: the person who's really struggling feels shame and self-blame because they can't maintain a job. They had to give up their career. I had I will never forget this. I had a client I was assessing for a disability eval, and I he had a major stroke. And I mean, the guy, everything. It, he was young, and he was mm-hmm. dramatically impacted. And I was asking him, like, could you? You got to ask the standard questions about do you feel you could go to work? When could you go to work? And he just leaned forward and said, honestly, would you hire me? <laughs> I mean, and I'm like, you know what? No. And, <laughs> And it was like he had a sense of humor, but he really wasn't. It wasn't a joke. It was reality. Yes. So because many of these clients of mine have extremely complex cases, um, one of my clients gave me permission. And I really want to share this with you because I think it is phenomenal. So shout Mm -hmm. out to my client and his caregiver wife. You know who you are. Thank you very, very much. When I was talking with them, there was one thing that she did, and this has been life-changing for them. One of the things that she did was she did a timeline of his medical issues. It is like... His is three pages, but it really goes by what are the most current medical things that are going on right now, and what are this, the extreme things in the past that led up to this, but it's mm-hmm. very, very concise, because ER doctors are not going to go through a chart that's 500 pages long. Right. So it's a, ve- it's a brief background synopsis, life-changing. The other thing that I ask them to do, highly recommend people with medical PTSD or trauma do this is have a one sheet that basically says it's your PTSD care plan. Mm. It summarizes this client has PTSD in learning to handle this. This is what works and what doesn't work. So they have summarized things that trigger the PTSD episodes. For example, any kind of physical pain, talking about politics in front of him, any kind of, uh, security guards or police that those are examples things that you can do for this client during a PTA, ptsd episode talk to him calmly and be reassuring if he is in pain these are the medications that work for mm-hmm. him ask about his safety person, his wife. Where Mm -hmm. is she? Is she here? She is here with you. Make sure she's there. Things not to do during an episode. Do not make loud demands. Do not be condescending. Do not come at him aggressively or try to take his phone or eyeglasses away from him. These are things that he's experienced in the past. Mm -hmm. And the medical personnel, a shout out to Avira, they have been so respectful and so attentive to this plan. Mm-hmm. It's been life-changing for him.
1: Well, and I'm, I'm glad you said that because I do, we've said it already, but I want to reiterate. Um, when we talk about insensitive providers and medical trauma, we are talking about a minority. Mm-hmm. Most physicians and medical providers are in it for the right reasons, and they're doing their very, very best under really trying circumstances. Right. Right. So you have to collaborate. You have to advocate Mm -hmm. like that. Have the plan written down.
0: Right. Yeah. So other things that might be really helpful for people that are terrified of pain and begin screaming, offer them a warm blanket that is so soothing and comforting. Do some deep breathing with them and or play soft music and dim the lights. Use a soothing, comforting tone. Avoid triggers like talking down to patients or drawing quick conclusions without really reading this summary sheet or their medical history.
1: And I'm going to say, if you're a provider and you're listening to this, um, you are only human. And so if you're interacting with somebody and you find yourself getting snarky because you are only human, just say, oh, you know what? I need to step out for just a moment. Yeah. And then go take a moment because your job is hard. Right. (laughs) And maybe you just need a damn moment to breathe. Absolutely. And there's no shame in that. Right. Again, validation is so important. Mm -hmm. We've got some resources for you guys. So if you're a social worker in a pediatric setting, the NCTSN, the National Child Traumatic Stress Network, offers resources, including the Pediatric Medical Traumatic Stress Toolkit for Healthcare Providers, which is a comprehensive guide for understanding, assessing, and preventing medical trauma in children. And to aid clinicians in identifying medical trauma, Hall has developed the Experience of Medical Trauma Scale. It's a Likert scale, so like a zero to five or... Um, Strongly Disagree to Strongly Agree, scale tool for the assessment of distress experienced by patients in the acute care setting. Easy for me to say. Yeah. The tool also requires the clinician completing it to create an action plan with the the patient and the team members to address distressing items. Sources, Dr.
0: McBain, PhD, and Dr. Jansen, MSW, LCSW, thanks for listening. You guys, we are the shrinks. And that's a wrap.